What's up, guys? This is Tony DeVito, and you're watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Get on it and listen. Has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I am your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. It's great to be with you once again. It is a balmy, clammy night here in Perth, Western Australia. Um, I've got my red wine. I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped here because I'm, I'm speaking to a guy that spent uh, a, a bit of time in one of my favorite wrestling companies Extreme Championship Wrestling. He's also been in some other companies. Ring of Honor, former Ring of Honor Tag Team Champion. Uh, he is one of the leaders of Daboldies. He is the one and only Tony DeVito. How are you, Tony? What's going on, man? How you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, bro. Uh, really um, just excited to talk to you about your career and uh, have a bit of a drink and and, uh, and just have a bit of fun and and learn a bit about your life in, in the wrestling business and beyond. Um, well, just to let you know, I'm a big ECW fan myself. Of course, I'm a little biased with the situation, but I am a fan of it. <laughs> I should hope so. Uh, yeah, after all, you spent some time there, made made a name for yourself there. And, and I guess the journey to getting there is the exciting bit for me to learn about. And it always starts right at the beginning here on the show. Tony DeVito, how did you become a wrestling fan when you were a young man? Uh, you know, it's the same story, basically, that, you know, every guy has for the most part, probably. Uh, you know, uh, a friend of mine brought a wrestling magazine into school one day. I think it was in sixth grade at that point. And Jimmy Snook is on the cover with Captain Lou and Jimmy's hair is all crazy and wild. And, you know, that's the first time I ever saw that. And then uh, flipping through the channels, of course, I just found it on TV one day. And, you know, I remembered Snooker and looking all crazy and bug eyed. And I said, man, let me let me watch this. And I started watching it and uh, I was hooked. And that was it. That's all it took. Yeah, it's it's very similar stories to a lot of people. Yeah. They just see it for the first. same thing with me. As soon as I saw it, I couldn't take my eyes off it. I was mesmerized. I thought it was unbelievable what I was witnessing. Um, it's just so mind blowing for a child or, you know, a teenager to see something like that. Um, right. So uh, I guess, you, you know, you're a young man when you, you become a wrestling fan. As time wears on, you get through high school, etc. At what point did you think to yourself, okay, I got to get into this business? Right from the moment I saw it. So 12, 11, 12 years old, that's when I knew I was going to be a wrestler. You know, oh, it was, great, man. I remember my grandmother, my aunts, uncles, grandfather. Oh, what are you going to do when you grow up? I'm going to be a pro wrestler. And they all laughed at me. They all thought it was funny. You know, they didn't know what it was really probably, you know, but uh, that's, that's the, uh, that's what I used to get back then. But I knew right from that time I was going to wrestle. You know, I was oh, a huge brilliant. fan. I told you it had me. That was it. That right. was it. I joined... I, I, so when I got to seventh grade, uh, I saw, you know, I saw by the gym, they were posting, you know, wrestling tryouts and, you know, come join the wrestling team. And I said, well, shit, can we curse on here? Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, shit, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. So I'm going to join the wrestling team because it's, it's got to get me ready for pro wrestling. And that was the thought I had. And that's what I did. Little did I know, you know, amateur wrestling is one of the greatest sports in the world. And I don't care what anyone says. It's a great fucking sport. I love it. And I'm so glad I found that because of pro wrestling. But 
you know, I only did it because I figured, like I said, I, this would be perfect training to, to start yeah. pro wrestling. You know, I knew they were totally different. I know I wasn't doing pile drivers out there on the mat, but I, I figured it, it could help me at somehow, some way. And it definitely did. Absolutely. The, what you learn in doing it, doing that sport, amateur wrestling, that helps a lot. But also when you're trying to get into the actual wrestling business, the pro wrestling business, when they find out that you did do amateur wrestling, you know, that's kind of like a little bit of a notch on the belt and they, they see you as a little bit more legit. It uh, is because you're, true. they look at you like a shooter almost. You're like, oh, this guy's a shooter. At least he can get in there. He can handle himself, you know, and, and they do look at it like that. Not anymore, but they did back then. No, def, definitely not anymore. It's it's a, it's a different business now, that's for sure. Totally. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, that's a, that's so, another show, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on about it all day, but uh, uh, yeah. so uh, after you know you do the amateur wrestling, the point comes where, I, from my research, you're trained by David Schultz. Uh, that's right. Absolute legend. Good, good uh, research there, kid. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, so, uh, you know, how did you come to meet David and, and, and what was training like with him? So, um, you know, a friend of mine I met throughout high school, he loved pro wrestling too, and uh, he wanted to do it also. He's like, oh, I'm going to train too. So he was out at the club one night. He ran into another guy that was bouncing at the point, and um, he was being trained by Schultz. So my buddy talked to him and I didn't go out to the bars. I had a kid by this time. So I, I just had a baby at that point, my wife. Wow. And uh, so I wasn't going out at those points, you know, but anyway, he went out he found, you know, we met this dude, he found out about it. We drove up there and, and for a tryout and that was it. Man. Like, like I said, I mean, I knew at 12, I was doing this, but I got in that ring and worked out and that, that was it, man. So, and it just happened to be Dr. D. David Schultz. That was the, uh, the trainer at that point. Right. So that was up in Orange, Connecticut, and that was in Orange, Connecticut, and it was at a, a gym called uh, Passerella's Quest, which um, Tony Altamore had a school there, Mario Mancini had a school there, Paul Roma came through there, he had a school there after Schultz, so a lot of, a lot of Connecticut guys trained over that way. Right, so, awesome, awesome. So what would you say something yeah. that you, you learned the most from David Schultz? I definitely learned a lot from, I mean, the most from David, of course. I mean, I've learned a lot from everybody throughout the years, you know, that was one of the, the great things about the people I met along the way. They were willing to help out. They, they, they helped me out. I listened something else. A lot of people don't do anymore, uh, <laughs> but I listened, you know, and I took advice from these guys, but yeah, Schultz, I mean, showed me so much. And uh, you know, it's weird. Cause you know, I trained with David for, was, I don't know, it was maybe coming up on about 10 months or so. And, you know, he kind of told us, he goes, you know, hey, guys, you know, I'm kind of blackballed in this business. and I really can't get you guys any work. And everyone knows that story. He slapped the shit out of David Stossel. Fuck you, David Stossel. <laughs> I love it so much, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we heard all these stories from Doc, you know. and But anyway, um, uh, you know, he kind of told us, I really can't get you guys any work. And he was going to hand this off to, to Mario Mancini, who was running the school at that time. And Mario's a great dude, you know, and uh, – I like the guy, but, you know, we, we did a match for him, myself and Mike Bell. Uh, everybody, a lot of people know Mike Bell from yeah. his wrestling and his brother makes the movies. And, you know, Mike passed away at this point, you know, and uh, but Mike's one my first ever tag team partner also. But, you know, we did a match for Mario and Mario goes, I, I can't show you guys anything. You guys know more than me. <laughs> so, so we were kind of in limbo at that point. It was weird, you know, but so we were still training with David and along comes Paul Roma. Paul Roma was starting the box at that time, if you remember correctly. He started getting the boxing, 
And he also trained at Passerello's Quest. And he talked uh, he talked them into putting some boxing stuff. There was already a ring there for him, which basically was a boxing ring. It was so fucking stiff. <laughs> and um, he started doing some boxing training. Well, next thing we know, he kind of hooked up with us. He hooked up with, with Schultz and he kind of agreed to help us out. And he did. He kind of took over the classes, helped us out, got me into WWF. And, uh, wow. you know, yeah, it goes on from there, man. Right. Wow. That's just that's crazy how, how quickly it got to WWF. Uh, yeah. uh, so what was your first actual match? Uh, you know, I mean, I'm assuming it wasn't in WWF, but uh, what was your first match <laughs> like on a local independent kind of thing? And, and so and the, the first match we ever that I ever did myself, Mike Bell, to uh, Tony Capone, uh, Tony Murrah was running the NAWA and it was in um, uh, Westchester, New York. And we got booked on that show through Mario and Paul Roma because they were both friends with uh, with Tony. And we went and we did that show down there at Mount Vernon, New York, at the at Mount Vernon High School. So that's my first ever show. But, you know, I met so many guys already. I think uh, Hercules was on that show. Uh, Dreamer, um, Joey Styles, Taz. Um, there were so many dudes that I met just that night alone in the locker room. I, I, I think both public enemies were there, but they weren't public enemy yet, you know? Right. <laughs> so we met so many dudes that night that actually went on to make it in this business. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's amazing, bro. Um, I, so less than a year into the business, and you're 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 in the WWF. Um, so NAWA was my first ever match. In that match, I already had. A, I used to race motocross too when I was younger, and uh, I kind of hurt my knee in, in a motocross race. But my first ever match. I went to, I wrestled Mario Mancini and I go to give him a hip toss and he pushed so hard on my leg when he, when he posted, he blew my knee out. Oh shit. So my first ever match, my knee gets blown out and uh, I had to get surgery on it after that. But, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. So, but dude, I'm going to tell you, we had that one match and then Roma got us into the, w, into the WWF after that. So once my knee healed up, that's where we went to. So my second match ever was on TV against the Nasty Boys. Are you kidding me? That is no. insane. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. Oh, my God. That's great. Um, so, yeah, it was the 30th of June, 1992. Uh, yourself and Tony, I don't know if I could pronounce his surname, Ulysses, uh, take on the that Nasty was the, Boys. my partner? Yeah. That was my partner? Uh, I don't yeah. even remember, to be honest with you. I have no clue. <laughs> uh, it says that the match went 45 seconds. Um, but... <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> but working with the nasty I boys. I uh... That's all I know. <laughs> oh, thank, thank God for that. Uh, thank God for that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, how were the Nazis? I mean, I know it, it, it was quite short, but, uh, you know, they didn't uh, take too much advantage of you? Uh, not too much advantage. They were definitely stiff. But they weren't stiff in a bad way, but I wasn't expecting that. You know, like I was expecting, oh, we all don't try to stiff each other. You know, you know, the only guys I really worked with were the guys I trained with, you know. So I get in a match with them and, and it wasn't bad, but they're flipping the forearms at you. And man, they were connecting. And I was just like, <laughs> whoa, what's, what, what the fuck's going on here? But, oh, shit. but it's all good. You know, we came back. I, I thank those guys. I never say nothing to them about it because I figured oh, it's my first, you know, that's my second match ever. I'm on TV. Yeah, fuck it. You know, that's just Crazy. what it is, man. That's see, that's why you keep your mouth shut. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I've learned through a lot of interviews that we've done that uh, keeping it zipped is uh, that's it, man. It's probably the best idea because yeah. whenever someone has opened their mouth, all of a sudden they were off TV or yeah, and they didn't hurt me. It's just it was it just took me off guard. It was just a little stiff, and I was just like, whoa! I thought this wasn't supposed to happen. But I love right. that style now. Just to, so you know, that's that's me all day long. I'm a little stiff. <laughs> Excellent, bro. Excellent. And for those playing at home, that was on WWF Wrestling Challenge in uh, Broome County Veterans Memorial Arena in Binghamton, New York. Wow. See, I don't even know that. That's awesome. That's that's <laughs> the nerd coming out of me. I, I'd like all the, uh, the the. You're the, the first person that's ever fine. told me all that. <laughs> well, that's I like the cool. fine details, bro. I like to do a deep dive, and uh, you know. Yeah. I, I consider myself more thorough than Comrade Thompson. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm a big fan of Conrad. Oh yeah, fan. he's great, man. He's great. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna list off some names here of guys that you work with for the, you know the next few years in the WWF. Shawn Michaels, the Steiners, Kurt Hennig, Razor Ramon, Lex Luger, the One Two Three Kid. Bigelow, Undertaker, many more on Raw, Superstars, and Wrestling Challenge. What did you learn most during this time as, I guess, I guess you would say an enhancement talent? Yeah, I mean, we were definitely enhancement talent at that point. Um, but the best thing about it, dude, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, um, somebody sent me a message here, hold on. A lot of people uh, talk a lot of shit on enhancement, guys, you know, a lot of shit about the jobbers. But I'll tell you what, man, I wouldn't have changed anything. I learned so much from, uh, dude, when, 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 you know, we were there for a little bit. Once guys started getting to know us, they wanted to work with us because we were decent at what we did. We helped put them over. They liked us. So Shawn Michaels, uh, Scott Hall, those are the two, and one, two, three kid actually too, but he came a little later. But um, those guys took us under their wing dude those guys talked to us they told us how to do things scott hall the most scott was the, he was great skinner actually was the first guy that ever said something to us ever gave us some advice and that was awesome too we'll never forget that but the two guys that actually helped us out like that were those two guys and, and scott was the the best at it you know uh me and mike used to do this thing you know we we tag and you know we'd high five in the ring we'd be a tag team we'd high five come down we'd point to the camera and scott's like that's fucking awesome scott's like that is your what, however long that camera's on you, you take advantage of that. That's your time. You do that. So I, that's one thing that I learned from that. Dude, but so much more. I mean, he he taught us so much. He helped us so much. Talked to us after matches. Shawn Michaels also. Um, it, that it was great. The learning tree that I got to sit under there was was amazing. It was amazing. Oh, that's great, bro. Um, yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. I feel the enhancement talents are just as important as the guys at the top of the bill uh, because they wouldn't be at the top of the bill without the enhancement guys. And I've had Dwayne Gill on the show. I've had Barry Horowitz on the show. So I've talked at length about this stuff and I feel right. it's incredibly important. Yeah. Um, so uh, another match I wanted to bring up, the, the 21st of April, 1997, it is, it is a dark match, but it's also, again, at the Broome County Arena in Binghamton, <laughs> New York. You take on Rocky Maivia for the Intercontinental yeah. Championship. Any memories of that? Because, I mean, come on, that's, uh, you know, he, he might be the yeah. future president one day. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's great about that? I was probably one of his first ever matches up there, I would say, TV matches. You know, yeah. I'm sure he's had a bunch of other stuff. But I think I was, was it TV? You said it was dark. 
Uh, it's well, from my research, it said it was dark, but I might be wrong. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know either, but I, I think I was one of the first matches that he had up that way. So uh, it was cool, but you know, like he was Rocky Johnson's son, he's high chief, uh, the grandkid, and all that. So that was cool, the legacy that he was involved with, plus all the Samoans. So it was cool, but at that point, I mean, he was. He wasn't the rock, you know what I mean? Right, he, was just okay. rock, he was just Rocky Maivia. He was this blue chipper that was, yeah, you know, and it just. Okay, he was it still was weird. at that point. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I don't remember much about me and him talking about the match. I don't remember much about that because, you know, I, none of us knew he was going to be, you know, the rock and he was going to be the star that he is at this point. But, um, and not that it was blown off by any means, but it was like I said, it was like, it was kind of like a thing we just, we just went out and did it, you know, but it was cool knowing where his legacy led him to. So it's mm. definitely cool that I was one of the first guys there to do some stuff with him, which was cool. Absolutely, bro. Um, and yeah. and you're, you're on and off with the WWF. Well, not on and off, but you're, you're there for many years. I mean, uh, yeah, like uh, four or five years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I just, you know, I just found that interesting, you know, that enhancement talent there for years. Were there any, conversations about maybe putting some sort of gimmick on you and, and uh, you know, giving you a little bit more of a push on TV or was this strictly kind of just your enhancement and that's it? Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I think that's basically what it was. There was a time where Tony, Tony Greer was basically our, our agent throughout the whole time. You know, Tony's awesome, dude. I love that fucking guy. But, um, you know, there was a point where Tony Greer go, called us up and he goes, um, I need you guys to get your passports. He goes, you got, we're taking you guys on the road with us for, it's supposed to be for a good amount of time, like a, a two month, you know, loop that we were going to end up doing, you know, breaks in between, of course. But, and um, we were supposed to go on the road and start working, which I think would have helped us out a lot. I think the office could have, you know, said, wow, these guys actually, you know, not only can they get their asses kicked, but they can actually work. And that would have been a really cool thing to get. And Tony had us booked for it and, we, we were going to put masks on and uh, for whatever reason, it just, it didn't happen. It got canceled. And, right. um, but we were, we were supposed to work with the, with the, with the guns, you know, with the smoking guns, which would have been awesome working a whole loop around with those guys. Cause first those guys loved working with us. Uh, we had a great time working with them and I was one of the only guys that could take their finish at that point. Right. <laughs> remember, they used to do that backdrop into the pile driver. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you remember, what they call it, the revolver or some shit? Something but like that. But the point yeah. is, nobody could take that move. <laughs> so <laughs> here I come along, I could take that move every single time. They loved it. Right. So, so I, I guess you know, what you're saying here is when you're working these TVs, you're, yeah. you're going to have the match end in three, four minutes. But if you right. do these loops, you're going to be given more time to actually show oh, your yeah. shit and what you can do. Yeah, you're doing 10, 15 minutes. We'd probably be the opener, which who cares? That's awesome at that point. You know, go do a yeah. go do a house show for them, open up a mat. You know, that that's great, man. I would love doing that. I would All love right. it. And that's... I've done house shows for them, so that was really cool. I've done a few house shows, you know, a bunch of dark matches. So I, I kind of got that, you know, I kind of got some of that. But, man, going on the road and traveling with them like that would have been that would have been awesome. Yeah, awesome, been awesome, bro. Um, so, uh, where does it get to a point where you feel like, okay, it, maybe it's time to move on. Was it their decision that they just stopped bringing you in or did you decide I've got to try and do something else? Well, things kind of turned at that point. So I was pretty steady with them for like 92 through 96. And I think I did 
I might have done some stuff in 97. I, I can't yeah, really he, remember too well. Yeah, he did. But at that point, it started changing. You know, WCW came along with Nitro. They started not doing so many job matches anymore. You know, they started putting, you know, back and forth matches on TV. So they kind of stopped, WWF stopped using a lot of the enhancement guys at that point. You know, they were just using guys that they kind of brought in and gave jobs to. That's kind of when, you know, um, Tracy Smothers came in and Dirty White Boy came in and, you know, and they gave them all those job gimmicks, oh, and, the, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of went and that way. Yeah, but you know, it was cool for us before all that, before all that even happened, you know, Dr. Tom Pritchard, you know, he used to run basically the, the training at that point for them at that point. And he would call us up all the time, me and Mike Bell, I'd get some friends if he needed us. And we'd go to the, the warehouse in Stanford, Connecticut, and we'd work out with dudes. Like I've worked out, we worked out with Draws a ton. Draws right, was yeah. like the first ever guy for them. And we used to go work with Draws. We worked at the Truth Commission. We worked with Edge when they brought him in. We worked with Brian Lee as the fake undertaker. We, we worked with Lawrence Taylor when he trained for uh, really? WrestleMania wow. uh, 11 there with uh, Bam Bam. Right. So that was really We did some really, really cool stuff, uh, you know, with the WWF, man. That's why I tell you, I loved every moment I had with them because they did provide me so much like that. Yeah, that's fantastic, bro. I didn't realize it, it went as deep as that, like helping Lawrence Taylor getting ready for oh, WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, that's uh, huge, you know. He's a he was yeah. a football legend at that stage. Uh, yeah. Uh, and in my research, uh, I've lost the date here, but uh, it is uh, the sixteenth of June, nineteen ninety-seven. I just thought it was important to mention this one. It looks like this was the last time at that point that you worked on Shotgun Saturday Night at the Olympic Center in Lake Placid, New York. Ahmed Johnson, Farouk, and Karma defeat Jeff LeBolt, Mike Bell, and Tony DeVito in a six-man. That's right. Um, I do remember that. And we and there again, once again, I worked the rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope uh, Ahmed didn't hurt you. I know he had a bit of a, a reputation for being a little bit uh, reckless in the ring. Yeah, I don't I don't think I I don't think I did much in that match. So <laughs> <laughs> I think they beat enough. up on Libel. That's the point. Ron Simmons is in the ring beating up on Libel. He's a blue-haired uh, blonde, blue eyes, blue hair, uh, excuse me, blue hair is blonde, <laughs> blonde hair, blue eyes. And uh, he sits there in the ring and he goes, nothing more than I like than being up on a blonde hair, blue eyed white boy. And we just <laughs> fucking cracked up, man. <laughs> I got the line right that time, at least. <laughs> but man, that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's great stuff. Um, yeah. Do you have any recollections of seeing ECW for the very first time, whether it was on television or? Uh, you know, I think magazines, cause I, I, you know, I followed the magazines a lot back in that day. And, um, uh, I always knew of, um, what was the promotion that came before ECW down there? Um, Tri-State. Like Tri-State. Yeah. Yeah. Tri-State. So I, I saw from Tri-State and I would see that. And then I saw that it kind of, you know, it kind of, I mean, to me, it kind of merged into ECW. I know it's two separate, but it's still kind of the same thing. I think a lot of the same yeah, guys. Yeah. It kind of went from Tri-State to that, you know, in my in my view, because that's how I saw it in the magazines. But so I guess that's when I first saw ECW, and then um, you know, then of course catching it at like two a.m. on the on MSG Network in New York, and that's kind of when I first got to see it. I wasn't a tape trader or anything like that, so I didn't see it before it was probably on TV. Right. And, and what did you think of it? Because, I mean, at the time, it's 
some crazy shit in comparison to TL Hopper and and uh, <laughs> yeah. the goon on, on, um, on Monday Night Raw and. But then you see ECW and it's just, it's crazy. In it's crazy. Right? I probably didn't start actually seeing it until, so you got to think the MSG days. Uh, I, well, you live in, you don't live in the States. So yeah. <laughs> the MSG days, I forget what year that really started coming around for me. Um, but they were kind of past, you know, because you go back and watch some original ECW stuff. And, you know, some of it was just really, really, really bad, really bad. And it definitely got better and better, but they still had that core audience, you know, even though they, they weren't great, they were different and they were, you know, but then when I started watching it, that's kind of like when Shane Douglas came in and, you know, that run started happening and, and Shane, you know, Shane is excellent, you know, and, and Shane just got that ball running and then, you know, like Dreamer stepped in and Taz stepped in and, you know, those guys got everything going in my opinion, you know, beforehand, some of the workers weren't that good. You know, Paul would cover it up with TV, which, is great you know he'd cut and splice and show you the good stuff and leave the bad shit out i mean everybody knows about that that he does that but he was great at it and you know because some of those guys weren't so great but man he made them look good but but that's what i remember you know seeing like the the that era of it you know and that's when it started really catching on and that's when it you know it was awesome it was awesome yeah. i, I love ecw Absolutely, man. You know, like it, it was evolving so much, you know, at one stage you saw Sandman bringing a, sand, uh, sorry, a sandboard, a surfboard to the ring. Now he's got yeah, a beer like and a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> right, he had the wetsuit on and he's fucking, you know, it's like, and then he merged to this drunk cigarette smoking, you know, lunatic. It's so weird, you know? Yeah, because see, when I first saw him, I was always like, I don't know why he's called the Sandman, because at that point he'd already had the beers and the cigarettes. Yes, and then I yes. saw early footage. I'm like, oh, that's why he's the Sandman. That's why he's he the He literally <laughs> was wearing a wetsuit. He liked to go to the yeah. beach and then come like straight from the beach and, and then wrestle. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, how did the opportunity come about to start working for ECW? So back in that day when I was coming around, uh, Tracy Smothers – would um would hold class before the sh before the show at ECW. He'd get all the newer guys in the ring, and he everybody would work out. Not not only the newer guys, but because you know they started the House of Hardcore back then too. So mm. those trainees would come work out, and some of the boys would join in and work out. And anybody that started coming around the shows, they they'd let them come in and work out in the ring because hey, you never know who you're gonna find. Yeah. Um. I was also you know real good friends with uh with with PJ Walker. Uh, just incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, I was really good friends with him. So, you know, that didn't hurt my chances either, but I started coming around. I started working out in the ring before the shows, you know, you know, I had already known some of these guys, dreamer and, and uh, Taz and, you know, that group of the New York guys, you know, I already knew those dudes. Um, so when I started coming in, you know, I think people started grabbing Paul's ear and Paul started, you know, Paul always watched the workouts always he would sit out in the, in the arena and he'd watch the workouts and i think that i just started impressing paul at that point and when i started coming and originally i was like 285 also and they saw me within three months i lost 85 pounds i was i was oh, down to 200 pounds and they noticed all that so i was working my ass off they knew it i wanted to be there and you know I, that's and, and paul just liked my stuff and uh, that's how I got in, man. That, that's how I got in in ECW. 
All right, cool. So you're going there, you're working out in the ring, then the opportunity comes. This is from my research. Sometimes it can be wrong, but the 2nd of April, 1999, you take on Nova at a ECW yeah. event in Edison, New Jersey. Is that the first first outing? Yeah, that might have been my first actual match there, I think, yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so how did you feel going out there and 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 trying to be accepted by that hardcore ECW audience. Uh, I was pumped, man. I mean, I, I, that I'm pretty, that was a dark, so, you know, it's just a house show, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I was fucking pumped, man. I wanted to go out there. I wanted to show the ECW fucking world that I belong there and I can hang with these guys. And yeah, I was pumped, dude. Working Nova was awesome, you know, cause he was a young guy like me and I knew him from it, some, from the Indies years before that. So it was pretty cool to, to work a match with him for my first ever match. Day. So that was great. Yeah, man. Awesome. Yeah. A perfect opponent really to, to go out there with. Yeah. Uh, I noticed with a lot of guys, I always put them with a guy like Nova or Spike Dudley when they first came in. Um, it's almost like they're like the welcoming committee. They're there to like show, okay, yeah. this is the, like, tell me if this guy's good kind of thing. That's just. Yeah. Point. Yeah. Basically. And I'll tell you, that's why we did a lot of those uh, pre-show workouts too, because we'd have let new guys come in and <laughs> later on in those years, we put him with Tom Marquez. I don't know if you remember Tom yeah. Marquez, he was a prodigy because yeah. he would fucking rip their heads off with clotheslines and we loved it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, I love those tiny little sidebar stories. It's great. Um, oh, yeah. so how did you feel that, that, cause sometimes the ECW audience can be like, you know, who the fuck are you? Um, how do you feel that they, gravitated towards you as you're starting to work these uh, house shows? I think a lot of the fans, I think they knew me. If they say they researched me, I think they might've known me because of my WWF days. Not all of them, you know what I'm saying? So at first they might've been like, oh, this dude used to lose on WWF TV. But I think once I got out there and I would work and I, and I showed these people I could work, I think that went out of their brains. You know what I mean? So I always got pretty good reaction out there. I always got pretty good heat out there. And that's, you know, before the Baldies, before any of that stuff. So, um, you know, I was always able to go out there and, 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 and put on a good show, I think, for them. So I think they, they respected that, you know, especially at the arena. The arena was the, the hardest place to work, but I loved working there. It's great. Awesome, man. Uh, you know, I, I find it interesting, like someone that was an enhancement talent on WWF TV for years. Now you're getting the opportunity to really show the fucking world what you got. And uh, so that must have been really exciting for you. It was. Yeah, it was awesome, dude. You know, I remember the first time when when, when they, you know, told me what I, they wanted me to be. And it was before the, the Baldy stuff, too. And I was like, well, fuck, I finally got a place. Like, because that meant to me, like, I got a spot on the roster now. You know, I'm not just a guy hanging out and get used once in a while. Now I had a fucking spot. And I was like, well, this is awesome. You know, I'm on every show. I have a spot. I'm doing, you know, this is what I want to do. And, and I'm ready for it. Yeah, man, that's wicked. Um, so yeah. there's uh, your hardcore TV debut, which is the 4th of June, 99. Uh, <laughs> another great person to have your first TV match with Jerry Lynn uh, yeah. in uh, Dalton, Georgia. Um, how did that feel going out there? Uh, and, and finally being on, you know, uh, television again. And well, first of all, just to work, Jerry was fucking awesome because Jerry's yeah. a great worker. Jerry's been around for so long. Even at that point, he was around for so long. He's so old, that guy. And I love Jerry. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, working my that match with Jerry was fucking great. Now, the, the thing about that match, that was not tape for TV. 
But, you know, Paul was taping everything at that point. And they told me later on, Paul's like, I'm putting that on TV. Oh, really? Like they told me before they did it. And I had no idea. That was not supposed to be for TV. So that's the cool thing about that match. Paul Paul liked it so much that he's like, I'm putting this on. And, and it was a great, I think it's a great match. I still go back and watch that match. I think it was great. Awesome, you know, we, we, we clicked well together, you know, um, he's a great worker, Jerry. So I was, I was so pumped for that match, but then to learn it was going on TV. I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, I'd noticed that you worked a lot of house shows teaming with Simon diamond. And I believe it's anarchy rules 99 where you two, uh, team up, um, was there, was there an idea in place for you and Simon to maybe be doing something together in the uh, foreseeable future? Were they testing the waters with that? And, uh, but then maybe change their mind later on? What was going on there? I think that that was all Tommy. And I think, I think Tommy kind of liked a bunch of us and kind of said, well, how can I get all these guys to do something? You know what I mean? So he kind of worked me and Simon into doing that. And I don't think it was ever to put us together as a team, even though it kind of seemed like that, but I don't think it was ever to put us together like that. I think it was just to get him out there. It was to get me out there. It was to get another guy out there. Cause the kind of way we did it, I was at ringside and then I came in and Tom Marquez came in. So it was kind of like a whole, a whole deal, but we had been doing that match around the loop too. So we had been doing that match for a while. And then Tommy pushed to get that match on TV. Uh, I'm sorry, on pay-per-view. Right. So, and that's what ended up happening. And, and I think it was Anarchy Rules that we did that one. Yeah. And um, so Tommy really pushed for that. So when we knew it was going to pay-per-view, uh, we were fucking, we were so, ex we were excited, man. Because we had a great match worked out. It was a great fucking match. And Chris Chetty got hurt at the pay-per-view. Oh, was that the, so, oh, was that the match he got hurt? Shit. Yeah, that's when he got hurt, man. He did the, he did the moonsault, landed, and his back went out. His oh, fucking fuck. back went out. So, and that's why it ended up with New Jack coming out and plundering everybody because <laughs> All it was, right. yeah, that was it, man. Chris was fucking hurt and that sucked. <laughs> sucked for Chris, sucked for everybody. But right. I love that dude too, man. Chris Chetty's one of my, my all-time favorites, man. I'm glad he was okay and, you know, went on from there, so. That's, that's really interesting that you say that New Jack was sent out there. I guess that's always the plan B. Okay, this match can't yeah, finish. So let's just <laughs> hit New Jack's theme and get him out there and whoop some yeah. ass. And uh, people won't even realize just, that the match. <laughs> no, that exactly. They don't even realize it. They just think that was part of it. So. Right. Yeah. Well, I think some some other companies out there need to think of a plan B when things go wrong, especially. <laughs> <recently>. uh, <laughs> I could be yeah. that guy. They could just send me out to beat people up. I'd love it. <laughs> um so i had noticed uh it's the very next match that you have is four days later 23rd of the 9th 1999 yourself and rod price face angel and Vito in a tag team match in grand rapids michigan really? um yes uh and it went to a no contest i guess maybe new jack was sent out there again i'm not sure but uh, huh. <laughs> uh i don't think so though but i don't even i don't even remember that no, well, that's that's oh, an, that's shit. on that's on this uh, website that I've I found uh, you you Well, it's probably on, true. But... I just don't fucking remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough, uh, but like you well, know, the... well, considering that the four of us became the Baldies, yeah, you know, maybe uh, you know, 
they're watching the match and they're like, maybe, maybe we should put these guys together. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's only seven days later after that, where yourself, Angel and Vito face the Dups in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Uh, it's in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, and it, it's referenced as that you're called the Baldies at this stage. It's just a house show though. So you haven't made your TV debut yet, but this brings me to my next question. Um, you know, were there any other early ideas of what to do with you or what gimmick you might have before any idea of the Baldies came to be? So uh, I used to dress in kind of similar to what I do at this point, but I wore like, you know, black fucking gym shorts and with the Adidas stripe on it. And I just wore this heavy metal band t-shirt that actually was a band in the area of New York I grew up in. So I said, well, fuck, I'll represent these dudes and I'll wear their shirt. And they were like, a, they were like a hardcore metal band. Not, it's not really my style of music, but I, I said, fuck it. They, they come from my area. I'll, I'll promote them too. And I started wearing their shirt and uh, Paul, so my first ever gimmick was supposed to be, Tommy comes up to me and he goes, have you ever seen American History X? And I go, no. <laughs> and he goes, I need you to go watch American History X. And he goes, that's what we want you to be. Oh and my God. I went to watch American History X and I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to be a fucking skinhead. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny because at that time he goes, you know, we want to throw you out there with Bill Wiles and Bill Wiles uh, kind of had the same kind of look that I had with that. And um, they put us together and Bill was kind of more like a manager at that point. And I started being what I thought they wanted me to be. I didn't really have a, a big clue of what to do. Like, you know, I'm not a skinhead, <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> act that way. but you know, it's funny coming from, from Paul, who is Jewish. His mother was in a, one of those camps, you know, yeah, and yeah. Here he wants to push a friggin' skinhead gimmick. I was like, all right, I'll do, listen, I'll do whatever. I don't give a shit. I'll do whatever <laughs> you guys want. <laughs> so that, that was what they originally told me. And I, I would assume somebody like Joey Styles probably said, Hey, Paul, you can't, push a skinhead on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear his voice saying that as well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because I know that that's, Joey was the voice of reason. You know what I'm saying? Joey's the voice of reason. So I think, and it wasn't too far after that, that we actually became the Baldies with a bunch of other uh, guys, you know, because Angel, you know, it's weird because they tried to do something with Angel separately. They tried to do something with Big Vito separately. You know, they kind of tried to do these things. Rod Price was just already already there. Rod was just a veteran that was working, that Paul kept around to work with the guys, I think, you know. And a lot of people don't even realize that Rod Price was an original member of the Baldies. Yeah. A lot of people don't even know that because he was he only was with us for a little tiny little bit, I guess. That's it. Yeah. And 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 every time I've interviewed a, a member of your group, I, I always make sure to mention Rod Price was in the group yeah. so that the information is out there and people that watch this are learning as well as enjoying the interview. That's right. Uh, That's but it's right. funny, the it's skinhead gimmick, session. the baldies, they're fixated on your bald head. They yeah. really are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'll tell you what, Tony, <laughs> I had long hair down to here for years. Right here underneath this hat, I am bald too now. So. Well, hey, listen, you guys could go back, watch all my WWF matches on the network, and you'll see the long, luscious locks I have. <laughs> the beautiful um, mullet. 
So I heard somewhere that uh, Vito was the one that created the Baldies gimmick. Is that true? Vito's an asshole. He go fuck himself. <laughs> so he'll tell everybody that, and he doesn't <laughs> piss me off. But he can—he knows he really can go fuck himself and uh, <laughs> fuck him. And uh, um, and Tony, I, I have to say, I, I was lying. <laughs> I was lying just then. Um, I messaged Angel. Angel told you to say that. I, Angel yeah. told you to say that. Yeah, he you know what though. Still, fuck Big Vito. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, fuck you too, Angel. You fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> I love him, though. I love him. So, so speaking of Angel, yeah, we had him on the show before, and I think our I'm interview sorry. with him went over uh, three hours long, but it was great fun, man. Like I had yeah, He a, never shuts great... his fucking mouth, bro. He's got the fucking <laughs> lips, and they're flapping, and the gums and shit. <laughs> the guy doesn't stop talking. <laughs> well, that's your that's 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 your uh, your thoughts on him after having known him for so long. But what were your first impressions of Angel when you first met him? Uh, you know, I met Angel probably on a couple of uh, indie shows at, at some point, and I, I I don't really remember him too much before you know really meeting him in ECW. But uh, I think we actually got along pretty good right from the beginning. You know. Um, we were kind of both in a similar situation. You know, he knew Devon Dudley. I knew Just Incredible. Uh, we're both trying to get in. You know, we, we both had the same kind of journey along the way. We both came in around right around that same time, you know. So um, I've all, I was, me and Angel always got along. It, we're, we're totally too, you know, he's from, you know, New York City. I'm from upstate <laughs> New York, which I lie and tell people I'm from New York City, which is not fucking true. But, uh, you know, we're so different people in a way, you know, and but we've got along real well. And I don't know if any of that was part of putting us all together or not. I have no idea. You know, I never really asked that question before. So I was just they put it. I was just, you know, they put me somewhere. That's awesome. I got a fucking spot. <laughs> I don't care how it happened. <laughs> yeah, man. That's cool, bro. Um, yeah. So, OK, the Baldies eventually come in. and It's like a house of fire, man. And it seems like, gosh, it, Paul and I guess Tommy, they're, they're both kind of, you know, the creative minds behind things. It just, it didn't take very long to just feel like the Baldies were like just a, a regular part of the, the, the episodic television. Now it didn't seem like it took too long for it to be established. That was what they were so good at was that they were good at establishing people straight away. And, right. and that's how I felt when I saw you guys come in. So it's you, Angel, Rod Price, Vito, uh, <laughs> PN News as well. Um, how did you feel from the outset you guys were going when you were put on television? Uh, I, I mean, it was great, dude, because you're right. It's like they put us together and almost immediately we started feuding with Balls, Axel, and, and New Jack. You know, it was based in, and I'm, I'm sure that was their plan to begin with. They didn't tell us that, but, you know, but I'm sure that was the plan. And, um, as soon as Jack got cleared off those, so I think we kind of started the feud with Jack, but then he got cleared of those charges from the uh, the Boston massacre. Right. So he got cleared of all that shit, and then boom, we went into full effect. Right. Shit. That's right. <laughs> Video dropped out for a second. There we go. There you go. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> calling. Ah, oh, fair enough. Um, so, so I um, noticed, like, uh, yeah, also right out of the gate, you're feuding with Balls and Axel. Um, yeah. So well, they needed, a, you know, they needed somebody to go against these guys, and uh, you know, obviously, we were the perfect people to go up against them. So, so it worked out for me. I got, you know, we went right into an instant program with people, which was great. Yeah. So. And that's something that's really missing from, especially the WWE these days. That there's just no 
angles. Someone comes in, they don't get shoved into an angle straight away. They're just doing nothing, having cold matches on TV every week. Don't get me right. started on it. I will <laughs> I'll blow my gasket over it. But describe the fun to me that is taking a Balls Mahoney chair shot to the head. That's not fun at all, dude. It's not <laughs> fun at all. There's one on, on the, you know, if you Google it, there's one of me taking a, a shot from him and it's fucking terrible. Oh, it's terrible. That's why I'm fucked up at this point, man. My neck, my back, my, I can't remember shit no more. My mother always told me, my mom would say, what are you doing taking those? You're going to, you know, you're going to get a blood clot. You're going to die. I was, yeah, whatever. Mom, don't worry about it. Uh, but man, I'll tell you. Even though all that stuff happened, I ain't, I would never trade it, man. I, I, it's been great, man. I've been blessed. I, 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 I've had a great journey in my life. It's, it's, it's awesome. So I don't take any of it back. I don't regret that, nothing. That's great, bro. Yeah, and no, yeah. I feel like with some of those balls, chair shots, people could end up uh, being shorter after taking I'm, I'm sure you felt them sitting home watching it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why, um, that's why I'm only 5'8", because of the Falls Mahoney chair shots. <laughs> I used to be six foot, but yeah, I mean, fuck me up. <laughs> um, so as we mentioned before, Rob Price doesn't stick a la- a- around, around long. He leaves pretty soon into the group's run. Do you know why? I don't know why, but, you know, the way Paul got rid of people, is that he just stopped booking their their airfare. And because Paul would never straight up tell anybody you're fired, nothing like that, especially a guy like Rod that he probably knew for, I don't know how many years he knew Rod Price, probably forever at that point. But that's how Paul stopped booking you. He just, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd tell you there's a, there's a, you know, ticket at the airport waiting for you to go. There's no fucking ticket. So right. I, I don't know <laughs> if that's what happened to Rod. Uh, I like Rod, man. Rod was a veteran in my eyes. You know, Rod, it was great having. Uh, a guy like that around so i don't know i don't know what happened you know i don't know why he was there and then gone no explanation right <laughs> just, that was it fair so, enough yeah um i wanted to bring up another member of the team uh you you've alluded to him earlier uh but uh what do you feel Vito brought to the table aside from also having a bald head uh with the ball <laughs> that's it bald head no no, Vito's a Vito's a great worker, man. I never take anything away from his in-ring work. It's it's great. You know, he's he's a he's a true professional out there. He knows what he's doing. I never shit on him for his work. I just think he's a shitty person. Right, That's fair it. enough. Um, what, what makes That's you it. say that? Great worker, though. Great worker. What is it about about him that makes you think he's a shitty person? Is the... we just don't get along. Yeah, we just don't get along. Okay, it's just what it is. We don't get along. It's all right. <laughs> Listen, not everybody can like each other. Fair enough, bro. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So I won't uh, shit on too much. <laughs> <laughs> You've already said fuck you, so I think we've... Uh, yeah, I already told them fuck off. <laughs> uh, so here's a big one. Uh, the 7th of November, 99. It's ECW November to Remember in uh, the Burt Flickinger Center in Buffalo, New York. Uh, eight minutes, 21 seconds to Baldi's. Angel DeVito, PN News, and Vito LaGrasso defeat Axel, Balls, and New Jack. Uh, dude, biggest show of the year. Pay-per-view. The Baldies have been killing it already throughout 1999. Man, this must have been a pretty special night. Uh, it was It was cool. I mean, uh, I, you know, getting put over on pay-per-view is always awesome. I can't say that, you know. It's, it's, it's fucking great. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it was just, that's just another match along that journey. You know, I just, you know, let's keep this going. That's, that's really what it meant to me. Sure. It was awesome, but 
I just want to keep it going, you know, because now I'm living my dream at this point. So Absolutely, I want to keep man. it going. Yeah, it's funny. But but it was. It was an awesome night. I, I remember every show at that at that place because the, the Burt Flickinger Center was a pretty cool building, you know. The fans were always hot there, man. They made a lot of noise. That's a cool building. So um that that was a cool night. And it was one of their bigger pay-per-views, one of their uh, more original pay, right? But that was November to remember, you said? Yeah, that's like their you know, big yeah. show of the year. Yeah, which that to me, that's cool just being on that in the first place. So that was awesome. Excellent, man. Uh, so working with New Jack, I've had New Jack on the show. Uh, and I'll tell you what, like I was shitting my, my pants before the interview was beginning because I'm like, geez, I hope we don't ask any stupid questions and he gets mad at us. But he was actually, he was completely fine. He was chill, relaxed, answered our questions. We had a good time. Um, yeah. But tell me what it's like working with New Jack because I know, you know, back then he, you know, from my point of view as, as a mark, he's he seemed like he could be quite volatile and, and if something goes wrong, then there could be a confrontation very soon afterward. But what was it like working with him? Uh, I think that's all true about Jack, but me and Angel, I know specifically, we got along with Jack. Great. We never had a crossword with Jack. Jack never had never had any issues towards us. Like, you know, he had issues towards some other guys in the Baldies, but me and Angel, we were good, man. You know, he liked us and I just, I never had an issue with Jack ever in the ring, outside of the ring. Never, never. But I, I've seen that part of Jack before, but never to me. All right. Cool. Man. Never to me. I, I I was expecting that might have been the answer because like yeah he, he, I don't know how many times he put over Angel it was uh, Angel was yeah. just getting this great great push throughout all of this and uh, with you right. kind of as the mouthpiece it was just it was cook cooking with gas and all cylinders uh, right. remember nineteen ninety nine uh, an edition of ECW on TNN. Uh, Vito is pinned in a tag team match where the loser of the fall was forced to leave the company because he was already signed to WCW at this point. Right. And Pierre News was his tag Pierre team Yeah, and he was his tag yeah, partner yeah. in the match as well. And um, I always thought, well, Pierre News wasn't signed by WCW. Why, why did he have to leave as well? But uh, I just think it was the same situation as Rod Price. Rod. Okay. I, I wrote, another thing I never, he's just gone. Yeah. So, because I was thinking, I was like, what did what did Pan do wrong? He didn't do anything wrong. We also I had no. I he was a good dude, man. I like Pan Deuce. Yeah, another guy too, because he was big. He fit us, you know. It was yeah, cool. and he was bald. Yeah, I mean, that that helped. And he was bald. <laughs> <laughs> and he he used to he used to spin his records. It was cool, you know. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you and Angel, obviously, you are the core members of this group and you will be forever right. more um, in ECW. And I guess everyone else that joins is kind of like, they're just kind of going to be there for well, a bit and maybe they won't. Yeah, when all this, when all that stuff was going on and when, when they got rid of news and Vito jumped ship and all that shit, like Tommy grabs me and Angel and he tells us, he goes, listen, he goes, you guys are the baldies. He goes, everyone else is just in and out. So we all, so that, so that turned into me and Angel just referring to everybody as rotating baldies. So right. everyone else was just <laughs> rotating. <laughs> so anybody else that came on the team, we just fucked with them, told them, you're just rotating, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, speaking of, a, of another rotating motherfucker, uh, Vic, <laughs> Vic Grimes joins the group. What did you think of Vic? Uh, I liked Vic as a worker. Um, he's, he was a sick bastard. He'd do anything. He would do anything. 
but some of the shit I saw him do was like, man. Yeah, he is a sick fuck. I, I so I like the mess part as our group. I think he fit well. Um, personally, me and him didn't mesh very well either, though. Uh, what's his name? TJ. I think his real name's TJ. Yeah. And I said, I said, Vic Grimes, I love, but I can't stand TJ. <laughs> I used to tell him that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, even even like Vito, I don't give a fuck no more. So many years have passed. I don't have ill will towards these guys, but it's it's all it is what it is at this point you know it is yeah. what it is <laughs> um so as i alluded to earlier angel getting heaps of wins here over new jack are you guys completing? thanks to me thanks yep. to me I of course that of course fuck, bro. My, <laughs> this is why my back hurts because i had to fucking carry that piece of shit <laughs> uh, you guys also complete the hit on tommy dreamer um so you're getting a great push here yeah you're in the mix here you you, you know you're going after Raven as well here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, just going back to this is your dream. It's coming true. Yeah. You're, you're a major part of the show is every single week. Um, but I have to bring it to living dangerously 2000. Um, I didn't ask new Jack about this when we had him on the show. Cause I don't want him to have to keep answering the fucking question <laughs> about, about what happened with him and Vic on that scaffold. Um, what is your memories of that night and, and what you, you witnessed? You know, me and Angel, Angel tells me a, a different story, I guess. He says we were involved in the match somehow. I don't remember being involved at all. I just remember being in the back watching it through the curtain. But he know, trust me, he knows better than I do. So whatever he told is probably legit. But anyway, I just remember even leading up to it, you know, we're there, you know, beforehand, before the show starts, we're in the building and we're, you know, we're actually going around with, jack and him talking about the match because we're just we're just hanging out because it's you know it's part of our team so we're just hanging out because we did have something to do i know we did something at some point i think we ran out and did something but but we were just listening to them go over their match and the biggest mistake i think they both made that night is all they did was walk over to that scaffold they looked up at it and said yeah we'll go up there and fight they never climbed it they never fucking went Uh. up there you know, realize how high I, it was. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I don't, I don't even know if it was the height of it. I mean, you know, cause we saw, I mean, it, to me, it's too fucking high. I ain't doing none of that shit, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, they just never went up, you know, no, they, nobody went up there. So, and then as far as I, what Vic has told me, and I think Jack has said it too, it, it wasn't very sturdy when they got up there, you know, it was kind of like rickety and shaky. So, and listen, only those two guys know exactly what the hell happened up there. You know what I mean? I was, I'm pretty sure I was watching through the curtain at that point, but Angel might have told him, said something different. But anyway, that's what I remember. You know, I if I was going to plan that, there's no way I wouldn't. I would have went up there first. I would have yeah. went up there. You know, but like I said, only those two know what happened up there. Only those two guys. Yeah. So that, that's my thoughts on it. That's my that's my uh, take of the whole thing. I, at least I would have climbed. I would have climbed up there. Yeah, it it was fucked up what happened, and I always yeah. thought when yeah, I watched Jack it got back, up. yeah, and I always thought when I watched it back, I was like, man, they need way more tables than that that, that they used. It was like uh, it's only like one, one or maybe two tables. Um, yeah, I thought was, needed, yeah, I thought they needed they maybe a double them, stack. They bit, yeah, they barely yeah, they even, missed them. Yeah, they missed it anyway. You know, but that's uh, when we learned that uh, Vic Grimes is uh, the Bumble Bumble's bounce. You know, that's when we learned. <laughs> um so after this happened you know did you ever have a conversation with Vic did he 
did he feel bad about what happened? Because I know New Jack said in a lot of interviews that um, that, that Vic didn't seem to give much of a shit and he would actually go around. I mean, I don't know how true it might be what New Jack was saying, but uh, he'd go around bragging that he took New Jack out or something like that. That's something that New Jack said in interviews. But did you ever talk to, to Vic Grimes about the incident and, and all See, that? See, that, that's the part about Vic that, I didn't like, you know, because that's when I think TJ came out and it wasn't Vic Grimes anymore. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't say any of that stuff to me or Angel. He never around bragging. I think he felt bad as far as I saw. I think that he felt bad that the whole incident went down the way it went down, no matter whose fault it could have been or it was. I think he legit felt bad. But I also could see him walking around town, you know, because the mark in him would say Mm. to people, I took New Jack out. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, that's the wrong way to go with something like that. You know, Jack legit got fucked up. Yeah. So I don't think he ever reached out to him. And I think that's the one part that maybe Jack's really fucking pissed off about. He never reached out to see if he was okay. So. Fuck, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know what he's thinking, man. It's like, I don't know why he accepted having the rematch in XPW years later. He's a fucking moron. What the <laughs> fuck are you thinking? What are, I wasn't even planning on asking about this, but you must have heard at some point, oh, my God, apparently Jack and, and Vic had a fucking scaffold oh, yeah. match in XPW and, and Vic nearly fucking died. What was and your and reaction? Jack says, I tried to fucking kill him. That's what Jack tells everybody. I'm sure he said it on your show. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jack's oh, like, tried to fucking kill him. Jack would tell us, like, he's like, I'm gonna fuck this. Like, even after when Jack finally came back to the ECW after he was he was healed, he would told us he told I'm gonna fucking kill him. So we would try to keep him away from him a little bit. I listen as much as I don't want to see Vic die. So <laughs> we try to protect him a little bit, you know. But we knew if Jack got his hands on him, he's gonna fuck him up out there. It just happened <laughs> to happen in XPW years later. Yeah, I guess the writing was on the wall with Vic after that, maybe, because he didn't stick around for much longer. He he wasn't a few TVs after that, but I think by the time Jack was back, Vic was t- taken off TV and maybe not yeah, well, back in. Now I know I know how that happened. You know, right. Vic lived in California, you know, that was that's where he that was his home in California. He was living in Pennsylvania, because if you guys remember if you remember correctly too, he actually was under WWE contract. Oh, of course, that's right. Yeah, he was supposed to be with Albert. Yeah, and that was before NXT and all that stuff. But yeah, he was under contract. They had nowhere to send them, so they sent them to ECW. Right. And he was living in an apartment in Pennsylvania, and he had this little studio apartment. And he told Paul, "Hey, man, I'm going to go back. I'm going to move back to California." Paul said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah, do that. Definitely." (laughs) And. That's another one of those things where he just never got another plane ticket. But that one I know legit happened because, you know, I talked to Vic about it and I, I know that happened. Right. Okay. So well, that was that. Right. Yeah, now back. I know. Now I finally know because I, I asked everyone else and, uh, well, News wouldn't have known because he was already gone by that point. But he was I, gone. Yeah. He yeah. Known. Yeah. Um, so I, I, Angel I, knows. Angel didn't tell that story. Maybe he did, but he was like our, like, Fifth or sixth interview, so like this is going back. You know what? I'm going to tell you why. Because Angel plus a I drink red wine why. on the shows. So. Yeah, but Angel's a pussy, and that's why he didn't say it. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to take a quick sidebar here and ask you about 
when you would cut your promos together. Um, I know that this is kind of a, an infamous thing at ECW that you might be up in till six in the morning doing these promos. Uh, do you have any stories of any of that stuff? You know, I know you guys would be in the streets of New York doing doing some of these promos as well, you know, in the subways and all that. Do you have any yeah. stories of that stuff? Uh, I mean, just, just doing the thing in the subway, that was like our first thing that, that, that Paul wanted us to do like that. So I just remember him calling us up and going, I need you. And uh, I think we went to Yonkers because I need you at this station at this time. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and then, you know, the same thing with Angel and then me and Angel talked and they, you know, cause Angel lived down there. So for him, he just took the subway. I had to drive down, which still wasn't bad. I had to drive, but it wasn't bad. But um, yeah, we met right there. And um, that was awesome, dude. Doing that whole night was fucking great, dude. We were riding the subways. We were, <laughs> we were cutting the promos. It, that was a great time, man. Because that was our, that was like our first everything promo-wise that they, they aired on TNN at that point, too. So we were like the highlight of that show because we did like, I don't know, would we, we, we do like four, inter, you know, four promos during that whole time with doing that thing? That was, yeah. that was cool. You know, that was really cool. So it was it was awesome to be like pushed right out into that. Yeah, that's that was cool, great. Man. That's uh, my more that that's one of the, the the memorable ones for me because that was the first one and it and it was memorable. People still talk about the subway ones, you know. Absolutely, bro. And and something that I always remember about you, you always had a big fat fucking cigar in your mouth. I had the cigar, yeah. Were, were, were you were you a big cigar kind of guy? Or was this just oh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be the cigar guy, I'm gonna be walking out with cigars. Yeah, Axel Ryan was the guy that came up with that. I'm not a really cigar. I mean, I'll smoke a cigar here and there, but um axel was like man you should come out with a cigar and i was like all right you know so i started coming out with a cigar and at first i used to come out with like the big fucking thing and then eventually i bought philly blunts and i would break them and they were just like a little stub which i thought was i liked the little stub better and um you know it turned into that but that was all axel man axel's like man that'd be badass if you come out with that and, right. and i know listen i know guys have done it before you know i'm not the originator of that but it did fit me yeah, definitely, bro. It really fit the gimmick quite well. And yeah. and this is why I like my interview style, putting myself over again. The deep dive. <laughs> Who's going to ask about the cigar? I'm going to ask about the cigar. Right, yeah, not too many people do. Yeah, yeah we've got a nice little story like about Axel Rotten. So there we go. Yeah. Axel Rotten and the creative mind that he had. Um, I okay. love Axel, bro. I love Axel. So underrated. Everyone thinks he's just the Taipei Deathmatch guy, but he was actually no, a fantastic man. technical wrestler. He could Listen, do anything. Balls too. Balls can work. So yeah. Axel could work. Balls could work. You know, you know. I I, I felt uh, before Axel passed away, I started reaching out to him on Facebook, and I was, you know, me and him were doing some Facebook messages back and forth, and you know, he's like, man he goes you're one of the only guys that has reached out to me that was you know because he was getting bad at that point yeah and I, he's like you're one of the only guys and you know who the other guy was fuck it well actually i'm sorry i think there was two other guys shane douglas and chris jericho all right yeah i remember um and, and myself we we're the only people that were in contact with him at, at that bad point in his life you know and that was only like six months before he passed Fuck, man. It's so tragic. I, um, it is. But I'm, I'm so glad that at least I, I had that with him, you know, that we did start yeah. messaging back and forth a little bit. So I'm glad it is, that. It is important, man. You know, anytime I've got a friend who I know is going through a hard time, I'm always sending them a message and making sure yeah. that they are aware that I'm there for them if they need it. Um, so, you know, you did a good thing there, bro. Um, and, you know, rest in, pre rest in peace to uh, uh, Axel Rotten. Yeah, it's um, good. Dude, so, uh, 
every guy we've had on ECW that was on the roster in 2000, we always ask them about their recollection of Heatwave 2000 because we want to do a big compilation video of everyone's point of view from that evening with the XPW uh, invasion. What do you remember from Heatwave 2000? So the shitty part for me is that we all knew they were there, but um, I did, I missed the whole thing. I missed the whole fucking thing, and I was probably getting high somewhere. But I fucking <laughs> missed the whole thing. I didn't know about it until everybody was already out in the fucking parking lot, and the fight was over. By the time I got out there, the cops already were there, and, and it was fucking over with. And I was so mad. I was like, fuck, how did I miss this? You know, but I think Angel was out there and I know Big Sal was out there. And, you know, there was a, from what I heard, Big Sal was fucking people up out there. <laughs> <laughs> I also heard um, so. uh, 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 maybe it was Sal. Someone was saying Chili Willy uh, was like beating Chili Willy out was out two there, people yeah. at one time. Just fucking. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. We, well, we had Chili's Chili. a fucking. We had yeah, him on Chili the show. A, uh, yeah. He's a veteran, man. He knows how to take care of himself. I love yeah. that fucking dude. Yeah, and, and speaking of Chili, you know, we had him on the show and he told me that this was the favorite match he had in his career. The 5th of November 2000, November to Remember 2000, Flaming Tables. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's Debaldi's taking on um, Balls Mahoney and Chili Willie. Uh, any recollection memories of this one? I mean, that's a pretty intense stipulation. I, I, was Angel the one that took the flaming table spot? Yeah, Angel took the, the flaming table because Paul wanted him to, which I don't know why, but I think because of the whole with the stuff with, with Jack and him, you know? Right, okay. But um, I wanted to take it, and I was told no. I said They told me that Angel had to take it. But uh, <laughs> I, I to. told Burn, motherfucker, Burn. <laughs> But uh, he's an asshole, and I'm going to tell you why. And it's 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 very personal, and he's okay. a piece of shit for it. He knows. But my dad had just passed before that. Okay. And my dad got cremated, and he Angel says to me, he goes, another DeVito's going to burn tonight, motherfucker. And oh, I was like, that's so you. fucking yeah, he's a piece of, This is why I tell you, Angel is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I listen. As hard as that, you know, I know that was a loving thing for him to say. As fucked up as it sounds, it was it that's is. pure love from Angel. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't take it any way but love from that fucking. Yeah, because so. you guys are so tight that he's able yeah. to make a joke like that. Where if it was someone fucking else asshole. who said, that, "What an asshole he is," <laughs> that is terrible. I'm gonna I'm messaging him after this and saying, "Look, yeah, look you know what, man? I, I was with you on this uh, rib with against Tony about saying that Vito came up with the baldies, but." <laughs> now after you said that I'm 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 on team Tony now I'm team Tony. That's right. Thank you, bro. <laughs> uh at this stage it's late in 2000 now. Did you know or notice that ECW were having some sort of issues? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, everybody knows the whole deal, man. We were getting checks bounced to us and, you know, some of them made good on, some weren't. Uh everyone knows that RBD at this point just stopped coming because he wasn't getting paid. So RBD right. said, fuck you, I'm not, I'm not coming. And then he did show up for one of the, I don't know if it was the last pay-per-view. One I, of the last I think it's Anarchy. No, sorry, guilty as charged. Yeah. So we, so we all knew he got his money. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, everybody knew there was stuff going on. And, you know, Paul would give his speeches in the locker room. And listen, man, everyone, we all believed him. Dude, that guy... 
he's got a knack. <laughs> he's got a fucking knack. It's it's all true, man. But <laughs> but um, a lot of guys shit on Paul. I I can't shit on him because he is the one guy that gave me my opportunity. So yeah, yeah. Did, did he fuck us over? Yeah, yeah, he did. But um, he also gave me my opportunity. So. Yeah. It's, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks, you know. And I've seen Paul afterwards, of course, you know. I've seen him. Yeah. Um, but did we, you all have any... knew, we all knew shit was going on. We knew the money was bad. We knew things were going on, you know. Everybody were you having knew. checks bounce? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough. Did you get told any, oh, it's in the mail or it's uh, the, the, the place that was supposed to, the bank that it was sent to or whatever, that it burned down? Some of this crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, you know, because I'm a New Yorker too, he banked at a bank that was, that I had near me. So I would just go to that bank and cash my check early. <laughs> All right. That's the exact so, same thing Joel Gertner did. He said, I can't. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I got paid a lot of the times before there was no money in the account. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, this is uh, a, an important match to mention. It's the 23rd of the 12th, 2000 ECW Holiday Hell 2000 in uh, at the ECW Arena in Philly. Doring and Roadkill defend the tag titles against the Baldies. Uh, for my research, this is the last match. Is that true? Is this the uh, last match? Or I know you were on the Guilty as Charged 2001 pay per view. Um, yeah, and I, we didn't I think, wrestle that. We just no, we just made run ins, right? Yeah, you made a run in on a hot commodity, I believe. Um, no, no, wasn't it Joey and and uh, Matthews in York? Yeah, were, were they called hot commodity or my? No, that was the other dude. That was uh, Easy Money. And, oh, right. Okay. That, that was Leo the so, Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. it, was, it was York and Matthews. But then yeah. also at the end of the show, we also jumped uh, Carino and, and uh, Justin Credible because That's they were right. performing new impact players. And right. we were supposed to start feeding with them. So, that, from what I've learned throughout the years, so, you know, I know everyone puts himself over, but I said, I guess we were supposed to become, we were supposed to win the belts. And then we were going to go into a few with the impact. So we were probably going to be transitional at that point, but yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> give me the belts. Yeah, but exactly. I, man. I guess we were supposed to get the belts, feud with them, drop the belts to them, which, and, and, and from what I heard, Louis dangerous, Louis dangerous is supposed to come manage us at that point. Right. So the things that could have happened would have been cool, you know, but it's could have, would have, should have, you know, if it was yeah. supposed to happen or not, I have not, that's just what I've heard from a very reliable source, but who knows? Right. Oh, I got to well, put that's... myself over somehow. <laughs> well, I mean, come on, man. I mean, you guys would have at that point totally deserved to be win the belts. Uh, yeah. Doring and Roadkill, when they won them, they totally deserved them at that point. They oh, put yeah, in definitely. so much time and and uh, got themselves uh, over to the point where, you know, that would yep. make sense. And you yep. guys have done that too. So it, it's a natural progression that you guys should have won them at some point. So I totally believe that. Um, yeah. 22 days later after this match at Holiday Hell, uh, ECW has its final show in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Were you there? We were not there at that show. Yeah, we weren't there. I don't, I don't know why we weren't at that show. We just, we didn't go. Okay. Um, and how did you find out that ECW was done? I think Tommy. I think Tommy called us up and told us that was really the way it happened. You know, Dreamer called up and just said, we're done. You know, I think he called a lot of guys up and said, we're done. You know, it was never from Paul. <laughs> it wasn't from Paul. Right. So, 
Yeah, and no, I've yeah. heard that from multiple people. Um, and we didn't know. I mean, we were in lingo for the longest time, too. I mean, everything was in lingo at that point. So, yeah. And then Tommy finally called us. Um, so this was your dream, right? And uh, you guys are on the cusp of something. And I had this conversation with uh, Alan Funk when he was in WCW and uh, he was getting on pay-per-view and he was starting to get yeah. a bit of a push and this is his dream and all of a sudden it's taken away. How did that make you feel? And what was the first thing you did when you realized that you now had to kind of like start over again and find somewhere else to go? I mean, it really sucked, man. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, it, it, it was my dream to do this for a living. This is what I wanted to do. My dog's going crazy. Over there. But, um, you know, it sucked. It really sucked. And I had a family. I've always had a family since I've been wrestling. Like I told you before, my son was born right when I started, basically, you know, my son was born in March. I think I started training in March and, uh, you know, I had a family this whole time. And by that time I also had a daughter, you know, and I had to, I had to do something. So I knew I, I went out and got a job, you know, I had a CDL license and I started doing deliveries and I, I made money that way. And I still wrestled when I could. You know, and, and I did. I did bring honor, you know, and from there I did a bunch of stuff. But, you know, I had to make a living. You know, I had to make money for my family. So that's what I did. Absolutely, bro. Um, another question is, how did it feel? You had this big family that ECW was, and now you weren't going to be able to see them all much anymore. You know, how did that make you feel? I mean, you had this routine, I guess, in a way. Yeah. That routine is yeah, that, that sucks too because it gets ripped away from you also you know like you said it is your family we all considered each other like that you know i still talk to all these guys you know i still talk to almost everybody still so um you know it sucked but but we all knew too we're going to see each other at some point and and we all did of course you know the indie shows and you know whatever else went on we all we all see each other down the road you know that that always happens yeah that's cool man um so I don't know if you took any notice of what was going on in WWE at the time, but uh, what did you think of how they handled the invasion angle and that ECW group uh, obviously didn't have everyone that it needed to have, but uh, right. they, they had, you know, they had some guys, but um, you know, how do you feel that they handled that at that point? I mean, I guess it was fine. I don't, I don't, remember my thoughts exactly i mean of course my thought was me and angel should be part of this <laughs> that's the, yeah. that's my thought you know and uh it kind of sucks that we were never given that opportunity to, to to be involved in that you know but uh i was happy that at least they were acknowledging it i know that i was happy that ecw was still kind of alive in a certain kind of way yeah you know so and you might be yeah. hopeful at some point, maybe they might just like yeah, split it called. off and 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 yeah. bring it back, kind of thing. Which I will get to. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, a little that, bit. Hundred percent should have happened. <laughs> I agree. Um, but after ECW is done, yourself and Angel only team together. From my research, maybe I'm wrong. But we only team together one more time afterward. Um, and if I can find my information here, I will uh, be able to pinpoint what i'm talking about uh <laughs> but uh th this is post ecw um and let's see okay uh you wrestle balls and candido at icw the revolution continues at the elks lodge in new york city 
Um, oh, and also uh, <laughs> on the 6th of the 4th, 2001, Chetty and Doring defeated you and Angel as well. Uh, and, and I'm sorry yeah, again. You did a few stuff. Yeah, twenty yeah, sixth of the fifth against the Hit Squad, Mafia, Monster Mac. In uh, yeah, we did a few of those. I know we did that. Francine did a show at the at the arena. We we did that show with her. Uh, oh, yeah. And NAWA made a comeback. We did a couple shows for them, I think. So we did okay. a few. Stuff okay, so you did then a few. Then he moved to Kansas to go chase some fat chicks pussy. So that was it. <laughs> Um, did, did Angel say to you at any point, like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not really, uh, I don't really want to keep chasing this anymore? Is is that what might have led to you starting something up with HC Loke? No, uh, like I said, he he chased some fat rat to Kansas, and uh, I guess she had fucking magical pussy because he ran for it. He loves fat girls, by the way. I don't know if you guys <laughs> know that, but he loved the fatter the better. And he chased, you know, that's where he went. He went to fucking Kansas. I mean, who the fuck moves to Kansas, bro? No one. <laughs> Except Angel. So he fucked everything up. <laughs> no, that's basically what happened. He moved, man. He just moved. Okay. And, then, and then when Ring of Honor started, they just, they needed somebody, you know. And, uh, you know, it's funny because Loke, uh, Loke was already doing Ring of Honor. He was tagging with a guy that I trained. And they All tried right. to put them together. And Gabe saw the guy and was like, look, this fucking guy ain't going to work. What are you rolling? Ah, oh, just tobacco, bro. Don't don't get too excited. Oh, fuck that. Tobacco. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I don't. Are we getting into Ring of Honor? Because I guess I'm yes, going there. Yes, we're so. getting to Ring of Honor, bro. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, basically the way it happened, like, so a guy I trained was teaming with Loke, and they were doing some stuff on the indies, and then Loke got him brought into Ring of Honor, and they did their thing, and Gabe was like, "No, fuck this yeah. guy," and he goes, "Who else can we bring in?" And I guess Loke goes, "What about the veto?" And Gabe's like, fuck, why didn't I think of that? And that was it. That's how I, that's how I got to Ring Honor. That's great, Bryce. So, um, you know, uh, how do you feel that you and Loke kind of uh, meshed as a team? You'd spent so much time with that guy that you were just carrying on your back for so long, oh, Angel. And now you... <laughs> and now well, you here's the thing. Some... I, went from, I went from carrying fucking Angel to carrying fucking Loke too. <laughs> I am the Shawn Michaels of both of the fucking teams. I'm the Shawn of the Baldies and I'm the fucking Shawn of the Carnage crew. It's just the way it is. And they both know it. They're my fucking Martys and they know it. <laughs> That's great. They know yeah. Um, uh, no, me and Loke always got along too. I wrestled Loke on an indie show years and years before that because he's a he's in upstate New York too. He's fucking further up than I am, and uh, I, I met him on some indies back in the day. And you know, uh, we got along then. I worked him on a show, and then we did some other stuff together. And you know, and then he started coming around ECW. So we beat the shit. That, that's another thing I told you. We used to put guys through the ringer, and he showed up one time for a. Uh, a pre-show workout and we all beat the shit out of him and i'm not talking like we heard him but we no. all just got in there and we just made him run we made him bump we would we worked him to the bone and he fucking took it all and he got a fucking job yeah you he know? fucking earned it man and uh he did. no he fucking did we beat the shit out of him that day he knows he'll tell you <laughs> i, uh, I <laughs> tony I, I spoke to him earlier uh like i spoke to angel as well and um I asked him, you know, is there anything that you would like me to 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 bring up on the show? And he he said for me to ask if it bothers you that he's way taller than you. <laughs> yeah, but he also knows that I'm taller than him, so fuck him. He's a midget, bro. He's a midget. 
<laughs> this is fantastic stuff, man. Um, so you're, you're, you're there, like, you know, right at the early stages of Ring of Honor, which is still going today, which is, you know, yeah. it's crazy that ECW was over in, like, well, you know, it, it, East, Eastern starts in 92 and it ends in 2001, but if you count Tri-State a bit longer. But, uh, yeah. you know, something, you know, that was known as the the big third company in the world at the time and close to being the second one. Um, but Ring of Honor still around to this day, still going yeah. strong. You're a part of the company in the early days. How did you feel it was growing from your perspective? Did you feel like this feels kind of like a little bit like ECW, but with a le- little bit less of uh, the flaming tables and all that stuff? Did it have that feel? No, definitely did, man. Like I, my first show there the at the rec center, Murphy Rec Center right there in Philly. Um, small little gym, you know, but that fucking place was on fire, man. The fans were going crazy. They were into everything. The guys on the show were good. You know, there was nobody bad, you know, like everybody could work on that show. And it was a bit different at that time. You know, they were kind of starting to get into doing all the high flying and you right, know, the yep, stuff yep. that they do. But, you know, it was a little different. And but at that point, and I told Gabe, I said, you know what, man, no matter what happens, I think this is one of the best indie companies that's out there right now. This fucking, it's really, it's really cool. And I said, no matter what happens with me here or whatever, I think this place is fucking cool. And, uh, and, and I was telling the truth. I did think it was cool. And, you know, to be part of that, uh, it was pretty awesome, you know, cause now I'm one of the veterans. I'm one of the guys that's going to help out these young guys, Yeah, you know, myself in Loke, you know, not just me, me in Loke. And that's what our role was there basically too, you know? And I had no issue with that. I loved doing that at that point. It was great. Yeah, man. And and I think it's great for you that you, you know, you had this thing with ECW and, you know, you were right there. You were living your dream, but now like the dream changed. Yeah. And and, and you're doing Ring of Honor and, and maybe it's not the same as ECW, but it's still meaningful to you. And right. uh, something that, you know, that you can hang your hat on that you were there in those early days and, yeah. and like we're doing a great job and you feuded with Dan Maff and BJ Whitmer and eventually Jimmy Jacobs as well. Um, tell me a little bit about working with those guys and, and, and you know, how you feel the carnage crew is coming along in Ring of Honor. Uh, I had a lot of fun working with, with Moff and Whitmer, man. We did, a, I, we did a bunch of matches with them, I guess, but we had a good time, man. We had good chemistry together. We all got along great behind the scenes type of thing too. You know, we just all meshed real well. So I had a great time working with those guys, man. It was awesome. Cool. Cool, bro. So it's pronounced Math, is it? Math, yeah. I think I said Dan Math, like an absolute. Oh yeah, Math. Yeah, Math. In Australia, different words are pronounced differently. Um, yeah. Well, you know what it is. He used to be when they were the Hit Squad. It was Mafia and uh, and, and Demac. Or no, what the fuck was his name? Willie Mac? No, something Mac. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. But so he was mafia. So then when he turned to Dan Moff, they just kind of turned into the, oh, shortened okay. up the mafia and they turned it to Dan Moff. So okay. that's how that whole thing happened. And same with with Steve, they turned him into Steve Mac instead. So right. Monster Mac, Monster Mac, is Monster Mac. That's it. There's a few Macs around the place. Yeah. So they changed him to Steve Mac and they changed him to Dan Moff. So right. Fair that's enough. That's how okay. that came out. <laughs> Um, so at some point, this is nice. This is a nice thing for you and Loke. You become the Ring of Honor tag team champions. You you finally win the tag team titles that you were supposed to win in ECW. How did right. that feel to to have that thing crowned on you guys? I thought it was awesome, dude. You know, it happened in New York City, which was fucking cool for me. And um, 
it was awesome. You know, it was awesome. I think it was deserved on our part, you know, no matter what some of them fans might think, <laughs> I think it was deserved for us. I mean, listen, we were part of the leaders of that locker room, you know, and maybe we don't get credit for that because people overlook us because there was people like Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and um, CM Punk and, you know, some guys that went on to make really big names of themselves, you know, and that's, I love all those guys. It's fucking awesome for them, you know? Yeah. I didn't, I was in a different mindset at that point, you know, like I had a real job. I was working Ring of Honor because I still love wrestling and I wanted to try to help a company out. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I think we deserve those belts, you know, I really do. I so. agree, bro. Um, and another big match that I wanted to bring up, December 7th, 2002, Night of the Butcher. You both work Abdullah and Homicide in a tag team match. I didn't, I didn't work Abdullah. <laughs> <laughs> the conversation before the show was me and Homicide talking to each other going, hey, bro, me and you are staying with each other. <laughs> I said, Loke, we're going to feed Loke to Abdullah. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure Loke told the story, right? Yeah, he oh, did. Yeah. He can't get color. I don't know what the fuck his problem is, but he can't get color. So he told Abby, he thought, yeah, I'll just tell Abby to get the color for me. I mean, who the fuck has, tells Abdul the Butcher to get your color? I have to fuck you. <laughs> Fucking Loke. I'm sure he told that story. He did tell the story. It's a, yeah. It's a great one. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to bring that up because I just I just wanted to see the your point of view of it. And it was Oh, great. yeah, that's my point of view 100 percent Stay away from Abby. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know I, I did a couple things with him, but I stayed away for the most part. <laughs> uh so I end I up adding Sean, um, bro. I told you I'm the Sean. I I I I have to, have to say definitely the Sean. Um, Goddamn right. <laughs> I'm siding with you against both of them. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully they watch this as well, so they get heat with me. Um, That's right. Uh, they you add Masada and uh, just incredible to the group. Uh, what was the idea behind that, and and how do you feel that they fit in? Fit in, and now the Carnage Crew kind of became a bit of a stable than just a regular tag team. Uh, the Masada thing, I think, was was Gabe. I think uh, Masada was one of the, the the Shawn Michaels students back then, the TWA guys. Right. Yeah. And I think he liked them, and he just kind of wanted a a spot for him, so he threw him in there with us, which was cool because we liked them. You know, he's a cool dude, and. Just incredible thing was just because of me. And I think just, you know, with me and him being such good friends for years and years, because uh, I, you know, he's what he trained <laughs> going way back again. So when I was training in Orange, Connecticut, PJ lived in Waterbury. Waterbury was like 30 minutes from there, but he went all the way to Calgary to get trained, not knowing there was a training school in his backyard. Oh, right. <laughs> but when he got back from Calgary, he hooked up with us to, in Orange, Connecticut and started training with us too. So that's how far back me and PJ go. But anyway, um, I think that Gabe did it to one thing that to, to bring PJ and he liked him, but you know, with me and my bond with him, he, he, he put him there with us, which I, I thought was great, man. I loved that he was part of the carnage crew, you know, cause he was one of my best friends in this business, you know? Cool, bro. Um, so before I, I finish up with ring of honor here, I just wanted to ask you, uh, do you have any, um, funny hc loke stories uh where you can have the opportunity to throw him under the bus hmm. just that he's a short bastard and he's marty <laughs> i don't really have any funny stories about him i don't think though um 
did he bring anything up specifically? No, not really. No. Uh, no, I love the guy. So, <laughs> you know, what can you do? Oh, all, uh, honestly, when I interviewed both of them, all they did was put you over. Um, yeah. But because they helped me annoy you tonight. Yeah. You've been on the offensive with them. So it's been quite a, a funny. Uh... <laughs> no, I don't think I got anything really uh, like that with him. I don't know. I probably do. I just, I, dude, I'm no good with this shit. I draw blanks. I don't remember things. Both That's of them okay. have to remind me. Yeah. You took, you took, me go, you, oh, took yeah. you took a few balls behind any chair shots. Okay. It's all right. Yeah, if you don't one, one too many, balls. apparently. <laughs> uh, 2005, your run with Ring of Honor comes to an end. Why is that? So, you know, like I said, man, I was working full time. Loke was back on, you know, TNA just started at some point around this time. And they were kind of catching on. And, you know, Loke's like, oh, man, let's go to TNA. Let's go to TNA. And I'm like, dude, I'm fucking done. I'm right, done. I said, really? I don't want to. I, I don't want to. Tr- and, and at that point, Ring of Honor, we were starting to run more shows. We were starting to spread out more to the Midwest. Like they were traveling okay. further and further. And I was like, dude, I can't do this. I work. I have a regular job. Yeah, I don't okay. want to do this, man. I, I and I was like, Gabe, I just want to be like part time, man. I, I don't want to. I can't. You guys are expanding too much for me. Like, I, I wasn't making enough to make a living on that. You know what I mean? I couldn't do that. So basically, it's me saying I'm 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 done. I want to do part time, and that's really how the Ring of Honor thing came. We kind of really never did part time though. I think it was a way of. I think Gabe would have always booked us, okay, because of the respect he had for us and, and that we had for him, you know, throughout ECW and everything else, you know. And I think Gabe, we would have been those guys that just were kept around because we were, we were who we were to Gabe. And But me giving him that out, <laughs> that was basically the end of Ring of Honor for us, you know. that was, And I was okay with it because I, I, I feel bad for Loke because Loke really wanted to keep going and keep going. Right. But I was... I was done. I couldn't do it all anymore. It was just too much for me. Yeah, because so, I, I think with Loke, you know, like he was just starting to finally get a few things in yeah. ECW. So he's hungry. But you yeah, know, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um. Okay, so the the Ring of Honor run comes to an end. Uh, I wanted to know, did you? get contacted about ecw one night stand the first one and we we contacted about the hardcore homecoming shows that uh shane put on so you know we had talked to dreamer i want to say but it was never brought up that you know we were actually gonna be brought in for anything you know tommy always told us hey you know when i can get you in i will i'm gonna get i'm getting guys in and you know you guys are part of the equation but um we never were. <laughs> we never were part of it. So right. I wish we were, man. I wish we were part of those shows. Those those shows were awesome. You know, I was there the first one. I think we did a Ring of Honor show. We were in the city also, and I stopped by. You know, beforehand, before I left the city, I stopped by, and you know, I saw a bunch of guys I haven't seen in years. You know, from from ECW, I saw RBD, and I saw, you know, Rhino. I saw a bunch of dudes I hadn't seen. And that was cool. I went in and I said hi to guys. I stayed for like an hour and I left. And then I went home and watched it on TV. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> um, so fast forwarding to June 20, 2006. Uh, it's an episode of, you know, who would have thought that this would happen? It's an episode of ECW on Sci-Fi. 
Um, you, right. You, you appear as Macho Libre, which is a parody of Jack Black's character, uh, losing right. to the Sandman in a in a squasher. Where where did this uh, opportunity come about um, for you to do this? Was I guess Tommy was kind of involved with it, and maybe brought you in to do something. Yeah, Tommy was involved. Tommy's always listen. Tommy's been great to me throughout my career, and I uh, I respect Tommy so much for everything he's done for me because he really did help me out a ton. And um, that was another thing. He called me up and said, hey, man, you know, we, we want to bring you, you know, I want to bring you down for this. So, you know, I, I went down and, and that was it. So Tommy got me booked on that. So that, that was awesome. And uh, that led to my second appearance for them. Yes. <laughs> so you uh, you're, you're reappeared as a preacher who verbally right. rallied against ECW until you were attacked by the Sandman. Sandman. Again, <laughs> you know, if you notice, though, if you notice when when he beat me with the cane compared to when he beat uh, the zombie with the cane, he beat the shit out of the zombie. <laughs> but I had to uh, listen. I I go way back with Sandman. You know, we love I, that was one of my travel partners, man. I love that. Partner. <laughs> I but, love um, that motherfucker. So these are two little appearances <laughs> that you do there, I guess, because I got to get my the... charger for my phone because my That's phone's cool, going bro. dead. So. That's cool, bro. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, you, you make these two appearances. It's June 20th, and then the second one's July 4th on Independence Day. Um, you know, was it because you had the full-time job that maybe, you know, you were just only going to be doing these couple of shots? You weren't going to be brought in to be a part of the uh, WWE CW roster? Well, that's the funny thing. So I went in. Well, let me plug this thing in. Let me plug this stupid. My friggin' battery's gonna die already. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's a funny. So I go and do the second shot there. And the same thing, Tommy brings me in for that and tells me all about it. But I go do it, and um, you know, both times, uh, you know, Vince was was at ringside with us while we were, you know, going over everything he wanted done. And, you know, I had a lot of interaction with Vince both times with that day specifically, man. <laughs> and we're talking about stuff and we're doing it. But I do the whole thing. And they don't tell me what really to do out there when I'm in the crowd and doing all this stuff. So I'm out there and they actually gave me um, tickets for the show. And I just put the tickets in, in the top pocket there. I do my whole spiel. And, uh, you know, Sandman comes over to me and we're, we're kind of going back and forth with stuff. And I whip out the tickets and I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be here. I got tickets. And you know, like I said, none of that was planned. That's just me being me. Yeah. Apparently, Vince fucking loved that. And right. he went fucking crazy on, on headset. So everyone else that's on headset totally knew that he was just eating this whole angle up. He loved everything that went on. Right. So after the show, that wasn't after the show, right? They walked me out the arena. So I didn't go through the, the curtain. They walked me out through the building. And Paul meets me. And Paul goes, you need to go see Vince right now. And he brings me to Vince. <laughs> Vince McMahon sees me, fucking hugs me. Tell, that was fucking great. That was fucking awesome. He loved it. He was marking out for me, which, of course, I marked out in return because fucking Vince McMahon. Yeah. So um, apparently all the people that work behind the scenes, cameramen, the fucking everyone, the writers, they all thought that I had a job and I was part of the show. Because right. the very next week, they're at the writer's meeting and they wrote me into the fucking TV show. 
Oh, shit. Tommy Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer calls me up and he goes, hey, man, we got a problem. And I go, well, what's going on? He goes, you're booked on the show tonight. <laughs> and I go, Tommy, I'm in fucking home. You guys are in like Chicago or something. I don't remember where it was, but. You know, he go. I, he goes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I go, okay. <laughs> he goes. He goes. Yeah, I told them that you're not high. You know, you're not a full time guy. And if they want to, you know, put you into these storylines, they need to fucking offer you a job. So I really thought that was it. Like I'm like, holy shit! Listen, I love DCW. I love Ring of Honor. My main fucking goal was to get signed to a contract with the WWF. Right. So now my dream really is coming true. I thought to myself, I'm like, this is fucking great. And I was, and, and they even, he told me everything that was supposed to happen. They wanted me to fucking be a manager for CW Anderson and just incredible. They were going to be the new impact players. And I was supposed wow. to be the manager. He laid it all out for me. So he brings me to TV. Now we're back in the city. We're doing the Manhattan, um, um, not the Manhattan center. Hammerstein. The Hammerstein. So he brings me back in for that. All I don't even know these fucking people. All the production people. Hey, uh, hey, father, how you doing, father? Everyone's talking to me because they all think that I fucking work there. <laughs> so, yeah. So little to say, I was not on the show that night, and then that was it. <laughs> that was really. It. So, oh yeah, man, shit. I had CW on the show a few months ago, and uh, he was uh, very disenchanted by his wwe cw experience and uh they really fucked that up man they they really fucked that up and you know uh cw said that tommy was like it's going to be like the old days we're just going to pick up right where we left off and we're going to be doing the same loops in the same towns that we did beforehand and then uh vince saw one thing he didn't like and then all of a sudden the dream was over so that's it was uh, man and if vince just funded ECW. I mean, he was giving people, guys money to work there anyway. So to me, you know, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, almost just fund ECW, let Paul run it, let Tommy run it, just fucking fund it. So we can continue on with what we're doing. Yeah. And that would have been the answer. I think that really would have been just don't even be part of it. Just fund it. Let us do what we're doing. Yeah. Just, just leave it alone. Let it be its own thing. And, and, and throw in some of those guys that you, that you want to bring to the main roster one day, those new blood guys. And, and I'm sure Tommy and Paul will find a way to do something good with them. Like they did back in the day when they had draws come in and all these other guys come in, um, you know, uh, uh, Vic Grimes, you know, he's under contract, but he's in ECW. Yeah, Occam Albrecht was was signed by them, but worked in ECW. Draws was there was a bunch of guys. Al Snow, you yeah, know, exactly. All these guys were, you know, just do what was was happening before because it was obviously working. But anyway, it is what it is. That was the it final, is what it is, man. That was the final straw for me, and I don't think I really watched a lot of WWE since then because it. It was like the third strike and you're out for me. I was done. I know. They I let know. me down. They let me down. Um, Listen, wrestling's not what it was. It's never going to be what it was, you know? And nah. The way I look at it now, it's like you can either be a fan of what they have out there and just accept it for what it is, or you can be bitter and just fucking talk shit all the time, too. I kind of choose to be in the middle somewhere. Like, you know, I'm a little bit – I don't want to say I'm bitter, but I guess I'm a little bitter towards some of it. And, you know, 
other stuff is okay. I don't mind watching some of this other stuff, but I don't watch wrestling as much as I used to anymore because it just really has lost so much. <sighs> Neither do I, man. And, and we just we re- we reviewed like I've got three other guys on our network, and uh, we reviewed the latest AEW pay per view, and we were not happy uh, yeah. with a lot of it. And um, so the opposite of how Dave Meltzer feels about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm more along the lines of how Jim Cornette feels about it. <laughs> I'm not quite, I'm <laughs> not quite yeah, I'm not quite a hundred percent with Jim Cornette, but I'm 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 a good percentage with Jim Cornette, probably 95. <laughs> yeah, man, because like the thing with me is it's like I don't want to be the bitter wrestling fan that just shits no. on everything, but I remember what I saw and what I'm still watching now is the stuff from back in the day. That's all I watch. And uh, I just can't, I I tried, man. I just can't get into anything that's going on. Yeah, I'll I'll always love wrestling, man. Wrestling's always going to have a place in my heart without a doubt. I mean, how could it not? I'm never going to turn my back on wrestling. And I do put it on once in a while, you know, I'll do cardio to, and I listen, I do my cardio to wrestling every single day, my cardio, but it's old school shit. Um, (laughs) I did like, I was enjoying NXT for a while. One of my guys, Bobby Fish, you know, I trained Bobby and, you know, I enjoyed watching him and, you know, but I, I can't watch the monitor thing. I can't watch those heads on a, on a screen the way they are. Like they need to get people back in, which I know they're doing. And I know WrestleMania is going to be their big, you know, Hey, you know, here's all our people again. Here's our fans. I know that's yeah. what they're waiting on, but man, I can almost enjoy AEW a little bit more because they have some fans in there. Yeah. And, you know, I don't listen, I don't enjoy any of it, I guess at this point, but I can do cardio to it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm the same, man. I can't enjoy it without the fans. Wrestling just doesn't work without fans. It's just it doesn't too weird for me because it's all about it's weird. listening to the weird, man. yeah. Anyway, back to you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm talking about 2006 here, but I'm fast forwarding to the 19th of May 2018. Um, it's at, uh, go wrestle, uh, the GW power weight title, no disqualification match. Uh, Tony, the black defeats Tony DeVito to win the championship. It's GW episode 62 in sunshine park mall in Daytona beach, Florida. Um, Mm -hmm. for my research, that is your last match. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is my last match until tonight. When I make my return to the five-year anniversary at Go Wrestle, are you serious? I'm serious. <laughs> no way! Because oh, the next the next question I had was, "Is Tony yeah. Devito done in the ring?" <laughs> no, I'm coming back tonight. So, what year was that? Eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost two years, or it's been two years. It's nearly three. So that, that was oh, in three? Um, oh fuck! Yeah. See, I told you I got hit in the head too much. <laughs> It's uh, two months away from it being three years. Yeah, I'm doing the show tonight for their five-year anniversary. And April 8th, myself and Loke are, uh, myself, Loke, and New Jack are the main event for uh, ICW in Tampa for WrestleMania week. Really? Fantastic news, Bryce. Good to see you again. Yeah, me, Loke, and New Jack on the same team. (laughs) Right. What what, what, what made you have the... Thought process that hey okay I'm you know it's been a few years I'm going to get back out there. Uh, uh, you know, since last March I started getting back in shape again. I started hitting up the cardio and I've dropped forty pounds and I'm I'm feeling real good again. But last year we were supposed to do this same show and then fucking COVID 
hit and everything was canceled. So, you know, I'm friends with the book, with the promoter, Danny DeManto. And uh, I hit him up again. I said, hey, you know, what's going on with the show? You know, we, we need to get in there. And uh, yeah, he was all for it. So he's a good uh, dude, man. He's a good dude. So his, his style is a little different than what I'm used to, even for ECW standards. <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever seen his shows. No, I haven't. No. So you got to check him out. It's uh, you know, no holds barred. It's like he does all this crazy shit. They do okay. you know, a lot cool. of deathmatch wrestling, and okay, he does like this pit fighter wrestling, and he does you know he's he's trying to get through the whole pandemic any way he can, and I think he's done very well with it. You know, he's he's found some some different ways to to get around some stuff. You know, that's great, bro. Um, yeah. Uh, when I spoke to Loki, he, he was mentioning about there was supposed to be this uh, ROH old school versus new school thing. Were you going to be a part of that? No, I mean, we never had contact with anybody for that. Um, Okay. I don't even think that the people that run Ring of Honor now even know who the fuck we are. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we're one of their champions, I don't think they even fucking know. (laughs) Cool, man. Um, So we're getting right to the tail end here, Tony. Thank you for taking up so much time with me here today. Yeah, I had a good time, man. a lot to me. Uh, So... For all your fans out there, fans of Debaldi's, what are you up to these days? Plug everything that you want. <laughs> well, I guess I plugged the, the couple things already. You know, tonight, yep. Go Wrestle, their five-year anniversary. Uh, April 8th, I'm doing the, that show in Tampa for ICW, No Holds Barred. Uh, that's a then and now right now also. That's what he's calling that, then and now. There's a couple of uh, old guys like us, I guess, that are doing this show against some of these new guys. And uh, I plan on beating the fuck out of some of these guys. I'm going to tell you that. Right, you know what? I think that's what Loke meant when he when I interviewed him then and now. I think that's what he said. Yeah, that's what that one is. I think so, I got a mix of Ring of Honor. My bad. No, but there was a Ring of Honor one. They were going to do something the same way. Okay. And then COVID hit, and they canceled that too. Because I know, like John uh, John Walters was supposed to do it. I know um, uh, Xavier was supposed to do it. And there was a couple guys I know that, that were doing that show, but we were never contacted about. But this okay. one, we are. This this is a then and now. That they were that was called something else, but it was similar to the name. Right, it's okay. pretty similar. Okay, so, but they didn't get to do it, so ICW's doing. <laughs> cool, bro. Uh, second last question before five second frenzy: Is there anyone from your time in wrestling that you wish you could have worked with that you didn't get to? I mean, I've worked with so many guys, you know, that were good. I've worked Shawn Michaels, and I've worked the Undertaker, and I've worked. Owen Hart and I worked Bob Backlund and I, you know, I, I've worked RVD. I wish I could have worked with these guys more. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if there's necessarily one guy that I said, you know, that I was like, Oh man, I wish I got to do that. You know, I worked with Mr. Perfect, you know, I worked with a lot of fucking good workers, man. So, so it's really hard for me to say, I, I, I would say like, I, I wish instead of just doing a TV match with some of these guys, I got to work a legit match with these guys. Right. Makes sense. You know? Which um, I actually did with, uh, like Raven. I'm gonna tell you what I worked a house show, and and he was Johnny Polo at the time, man. And right, that was before the whole Raven thing. But I'll tell you what, dude, I worked a house show with him, and I knew that like he was fucking good. He was so good at that point, and people, I mean, people probably knew it, but they didn't know it. Like they didn't know it there. That they just thought he was, you know, Johnny Polo. They they didn't yeah. look at him as a worker. God damn, he's fucking good, dude. Especially back in those days. He was fucking good. And that one match, I, I wish I could have worked with him more at that time because he taught me so much in that one match. 
Right. Man, if I got to work him all the time, how how good could that have been? Yeah, it would have been like a turtle lesson. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. fast tracking to even more greatness. Um, yeah, no doubt. Last question before five second frenzy, Tony DeVito. Do you have any regrets? I told you before, I have no regrets, man. I've loved every aspect of what I've done. I really Excellent. have. Happy to hear it, bro. That's one of my favorite answers to hear. It when, yeah, uh, it should be the only no answer. Regrets. Yeah, that should be the only answer. These, some some people, of these guys are too fucking bitter, dude. And that, well, yeah. they're too bitter. They yeah, look at it fucked up, man. Just look at it for what it was. I had a great ride. I had a good fucking career. Did I achieve everything I wanted to do? No, but mm-hmm. I don't fucking regret it. And I and I loved every every moment of it. That's great, bro. I remember seeing an interview that King Kong Bundy did with uh, Sean Oliver from Kayfabe Commentaries. And Sean put something in perspective in a way that I don't think Bundy had ever thought of because he was so bitter about things. Mm -hmm. But then when Sean put it in this way, I think he was like, oh, oh, man, I think maybe 20 years of my life I've spent being mad about something that I probably shouldn't have and I should have appreciated. Yeah, for what reason? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Tony, look, Five, five Second Frenzy is our final segment. It's to get to know a little bit more about you and other things you like in life, but there are a couple of wrestling questions. All right. So, are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Tony DeVito, who is your favorite wrestler? Man, I would say it's got to be Hulk Hogan. Brilliant. Brilliant. That was my childhood right there. Paul Orndorff, Hulk Hogan, Piper. Yeah. Fucking Doesn't great. get any better, man. Uh, Fucking great. Favorite opponent over the years? Probably Chris Chetty. Cool. Which is, you know, it's probably not an answer everybody looks at. But That's the first <laughs> time I've had that one, but um, he was yeah. very, very good, very smooth. Uh, mm-hmm. Favorite match you've ever had? I know this is a tough one for a lot of people. Uh, it's not. Uh, it was uh, RV didn't kick cash, man. We did one on TV with them, and I, it was fucking good, really good match. Um, I'd say it's got it. That was one of my favorite ones, and and then probably the TV match I had with Jerry Lynn. Awesome, bro. Awesome. Yeah. We get, we've, we've had Lynn a few times. Uh, okay, getting away from the wrestling. Favorite book. Hmm. So right now I'm reading this thing called uh, Fastest Way, and it's a by this guy called Dave Asprey. And I'm, I, you know, I I told you for a year now I've been on a, a better track of my life and losing weight, but I've been fasting. I do intermittent fasting now, and okay, uh, this guy is real knowledgeable about it. So I would say maybe that there was also this book called The Wild Diet, and he was another guy that was very similar to this dude. So I'm into that shit right now. <laughs> Right, cool, man. I might need to message you a little bit about that afterward because it's good that the camera only goes to here because down here is an absolute <laughs> nightmare right now. I, I used to have a teenage girl's body, bro. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite TV show? The Office. Oh, bro, great. American version. Yeah, me too. I, every time I'm eating lunch, I watch The Office. Uh, I, yeah, but it's hard to say, man, because I love so many. I love Parks and Rec. I love The Office. I, 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 there's so many that I loved. You know, I love King of Queens. I love Seinfeld. But <laughs> great yeah. stuff. Man. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Actually, am I wearing them? Oh, I'm gonna have to pull my leg up here. I'm wearing Seinfeld socks right now. Nice. So. Yeah, nice. I, I'm, yeah, I'm so jo- many good. You know, so many good shows throughout these years, bro. Yeah, bro. Uh, 
Uh, favorite film? Um, Lost Boys. Very good. Very good decision there. Uh, yeah, great, great fucking movie. Favorite musical artist? Billy Joel. Awesome. On, yes. Billy mm. Joel on that, on that genre and then Metallica the other way. Brilliant, bro. Brilliant. I love it. I'm a big metal guy. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I like glam hair metal as well. Uh, nice. Favorite food? Pizza. We get that a lot with wrestlers. I'm a it's fucking always guinea, bro. I'm a fucking pizza guinea and steak. <laughs> well, I mean, this is why I uh, wore my surprise. That's right. You got the bottom bang. I like it. I knew it. I knew it, bro. Um, yeah. you, you know what? You appreciated the shirt more than Big Vito did. Oh, I? yeah. That's because these other people are they're fucking mutts. They don't know nothing, these other people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite place to eat on the road? Uh, Waffle House. We get that a lot too. How could you not, dude? You, well, you can eat like absolute garbage or you can actually eat pretty healthy there too. People just don't know it. Right. We don't have Waffle House in Australia, but when I make it over there one day, I'm definitely oh, going to partake. Oh, it's great. It's filthy. And the dirtier, the better. <laughs> we, you know, we, uh, had this, we used to stay, at a, so in Georgia, just real quick. Yeah. We'd stay in Georgia and uh, it was Atlanta and uh, we stayed in this the Ramada and it was called the Dungeon. And <laughs> Everyone from WCW knows about this place. ECW guys know about this place called The Dungeon. And on premise in the same parking lot was a Waffle House. And it was the filthiest fucking Waffle House you have ever eaten at. And the people working there were atrocious. And it was fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought a wrong would make such a right? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, third last one, Tony. Uh, your favorite alcoholic beverage? I don't drink alcohol. 420 for me all the way. Right. Okay. Fair enough. That's cool. Um, Alcohol is the devil, bro. No, well, oh, uh, it's an it's been an angel to me tonight. I've been really enjoying this right now. Uh, <laughs> but okay, no alcohol. But what's the beverage that you'll go for when you want one? Seltzer or coffee, black. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, second last one, Tony, is the naughtiest one of all. It is your favorite female body part. The vagina. <laughs> Fantastic. Or the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, Tony, you've cursed a lot on the show. I have too because yeah. I'm, I'm fucking Australian. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite curse American. word? Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, thoughts. So. I think that's everyone's, I think. Most people say fuck. Um, yeah, or some- motherfucker. Yeah, yeah we get motherfucker, we get yeah. fuck. Sometimes we get cunt. Uh, I, I love cunt, but it's just everyone shits on cunt, and I don't understand it. It's weird. Amer- uh, Americans seem to get really, a, ooh, you said cunt. Very like offended. in yeah, Australia, cunt means mate. Like, oh, yeah, he's a right. good cunt. He's a good cunt right. guy. If you go to someone, right. hey, mate, mate, mate doesn't mean mate here sometimes. Mate can mean right. like, hey, you're, you're out of line. <laughs> right, right. Cunt is and, way better. anyway tony that brings us to the conclusion the end of the interview man i really appreciate hearing this story your time in professional wrestling dude so much fun i've laughed my ass off and uh, (laughs) as usual i do the big spiel at the end of the episodes when i say man you should be so proud of what you accomplished in the wrestling business wwf ECW, Ring of Honor, 
everything else in between those places and afterward. And again, Perth, Western Australia is the most isolated city in the world. And the number one Baldies fan is right here in Perth, Western Australia. So if you reach that far, you've done something <laughs> right. You should be proud of yourself, my friend. Uh, that's that's pretty fucking awesome, bro. And I, I appreciate all the all the good words, man. Uh, I, I've worked my ass off to get where I was. And uh, like I told you, I don't regret anything, man. It's fucking been great. What a ride. Awesome, bro. And um, once I'm done signing off on the show, I just want to talk to you for one more minute and then I can let you go. But again, Tony, thank you so much. Thank you, brother. And thank you everyone out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host, California Fury, alongside my friend, new friend, Tony DeVito, and we will see you next time. Thank you.